0: All right, so today we're in 1 Thessalonians, so go ahead and open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 2. Let's go. go. All right. So as we've been talking about, God is doing a lot of amazing things, as you see in and through this church, in and through all of you. Super thankful to be a part of the move of God, both locally and globally. Now, what's so important for us is that we have to be intentional to continue the work he has given us to do and to guard the good things that he is doing. So we learn from Paul in 1 and 2 Thessalonians that the way forward is not something new, but doing the same things more and more. We go wider and have a broader impact by going deeper. Now remember, once again, to do more and more is not to do more things, but it's to do the right things over and over and over and over again. And as we read through First and Second Thessalonians, we're going to be reminded about what the right things are what should a church be pursuing? What kind of people should we be? And how can we continue the good work that God has called us to do? And how can we guard it as a body to keep it secure and safe uh, from the attack of the evil one? And so First Thessalonians 2, we're going to start in verse 13, read through verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. He says, And so we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, who displeased God and opposed all of mankind. It's a big list. By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always, to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time. Now remember, historically, they planted the church in three weeks and got kicked out. So this is what he's talking about. We were there, we shared the gospel, and then we got run out of town. So we were torn away from you in person, but not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and that our labor would be in vain. We're going to stop there. Today's message is called, It Really Is the Word of God. It really is the word of God. This is from this first sentence here in verse 13, when he says, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. Not words of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. The world is full of words of men. And by men, I mean mankind, men and women. Social media is full of the words of men, Your work, your neighborhood, your TV, your phone, your home is full of the words of men. You are always hearing and deciding whether to believe. And most of the time walking in and taking advice from the words of men. We live our lives, sadly, according to a lot of words from men. We are inundated with words from men. And my goal and desire this morning is that you would begin to treasure and discern and understand the word of God and live accordingly as opposed to the word of men. The words of men contain ideas and advice, but the word of God contains truth and authority. The words of men contain ideas and advice, but the word of God contains truth and authority. The words of men are like men. As the product, so is the source. The words of men are like men, therefore they are limited, weak, unsure, frail, changing, and wrong, just like people are. It's no surprise then that the words of men would be weak because people are weak, that they would be limited because people are limited, that they would be unsure because people don't know everything. The words of men are like men, but the words of God are like God. These words are true, strong, sure, eternal, never changing, always right. The words of men are like men, but the words of God are like God. This difference is extreme. And I want to show you as we work through this, how often and hopefully make you aware of how different the words of men are from the words of God and how crazy our value system is accordingly for how much we value the words of men against the word of God. And hopefully we can all make some spiritual progress. So he says, these are not the words of men. It might have come from a man's mouth and be written by a man's hand, but these are not the words of men. This is what it really is. You know what he also says? This isn't even a word about God, but it is the actual word of God. This difference is so important. It's not a word just about God, but it is the word of God. It is from him and of him. It is his very essence. The word here in the Bible and the message of the gospel is from his mouth, from his mind, from his heart. It has his breath on it. It is the word of God, not just a word about God. The word has the breath of God on it. It is personal, and it is powerful. It is not a word about God. And how many of us, with sincerity, trying to understand as best we can, deal with it as a word about God, as opposed to a word from God? Which means when we read the Bible, the goal is to learn something about him, but not to meet with him. And the Bible is not a toolbook toolbook that you can learn from. Just to learn about God, but it is the very words of God. You need to consider it as dramatic as if Jesus transported himself down and took his physical form, which he has, praise the Lord in glory, and he stood right here. Just said, "I am Jesus." You know, the first thing you should say is, "Okay, Nate, sit down." All right, that's right. Okay. I'm happy the next thing you would do is listen to every word he said. You would be hanging on. You, oh, I can't believe it. you'd be taking it on your iPhone. You'd be videoing the whole thing. You would just be like, "Wow, is this is the words of God." You'd say, "God is talking to me right now. This is crazy." Every sentence would be unbelievable. You'd ha, ah. and that's exactly the kind of intensity that we should approach hearing from and reading the Bible. It's the words of God from his mouth and his person, from his heart, from his mind. It's the words of God. It has his breath on it as if he was standing right next to you. It is the words of God, not just words about God. And so many of us are limited in our spiritual maturity and growth because we're always looking for a word about God and dealing with the Bible as a thing that tells us about God as opposed to interacting with God, because in the Bible, we meet God. It is the words of God, not just the words about God. Now, here's this phrase that's so important for us today. He says, as it really is. As it really is. My goal is to help us understand and have discernment And to receive the words of God as what they really are, and to receive the words of men as what they really are, and then to apply them both accordingly as according to where they're from. And so if I can begin to understand what the words of men really are, what they're really saying, peel back the word to what's happening, then I can apply it or not apply it rightly. And when I understand the Bible or the gospel message in the Bible to come to me as the word of God, then I can apply it accordingly. But hear me now, we struggle so much because we give the words of men more power in our lives than the words of God. This is our greatest struggle for those of you who are in Christ to say, you struggle and I struggle so much because so often we are not discerning and we are giving the words of men more power in our lives than the words of God. And we are not seeing things for as they really are. He said, you heard me say these words and you received it as the very breath of God. And it changed and radically transformed your life. And listen to me, we struggle so much because we give the words of men more power in our lives than the words of God. And we are not peeling back the curtain to see what they really are. And you're treating what people say as if God said it. And you're treating what God said as if just some random person said it. And then you're applying it all wrong. And then your life gets so messed up. Because you applied the words of men as if they were sure, true, guaranteed, unshakable. And then your life got shook up. And then you got mad at God for being unstable. (laughs) When the whole time you were applying the words of men. Listen, this is like a little counseling session for a minute. Why? Why are you so insecure? Why? Just take a moment. It's not about how you look, what you do. Where you're at, how successful you are, how many followers you have, how many friends you have. What is it really at the root that is making you so insecure and that paralyzes you and that leads you into a depressive state? You're so insecure. Why? At the root of it. At the root of it. It is because you're giving the words of men more power in your life than the words of God. God will never, ever make you feel insecure. Especially if you're in Christ, you know, if you're outside of Christ, he's going to terrify you. You feel afraid, probably not insecure. In Christ, when you believe and trust in him, God, you're his child. He's building you up. So why? Why are you so insecure? It's killing you. It's killing you and you can't make any progress. It's because you're giving the words of men more power than the words of God. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Just terrified, just prone to anxiety. Worry, worry, worry. You're so afraid. Why are you so afraid? And listen, as we go through some of the things, we've said time and time again, God is a whole body God, and I understand even personally that there's a lot of, issues at play, and trauma, and medicine, all these things. And those are wonderful, and those are God's grace. But I want to get to the spiritual issue at hand here this morning. At the root of it, to say the reason why these struggles have the power they do in our life is often because we are giving the words of men more power than the words of God. Why are you so afraid? The reason you're so afraid is because you scrolled Instagram for an hour and read a devotional app for one minute. That's why you're so afraid. Why are you so insecure? It's because you looked at TikTok for 30 minutes and then didn't even read your Bible. That's why you're so insecure. You see what I'm saying? Listen, I have the same struggle as you do, all right? I love to look at Twitter. I'm an old man, all right? So I like Twitter. It's where I get my news, okay? I'm not on all the young hip apps, but I like Twitter, all right? And so I read articles. I do all this. this. And so often, you know, I'll be like, man, okay, I'll be looking at Twitter and just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And all of a sudden, I've looked at Twitter way more than I read the Bible that day. And then I wonder at 5 o'clock with my children, why am I so impatient right now? Why am I just, uh, you know, you're just, uh, I can't handle one more issue. And then I look back and think, I didn't wake up early enough. I got right to go into to work, taking care of my kids. I went about my day. I never once consulted with the Lord. No wonder I'm so impatient right now. I'm more like Nate than Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Listen, please, please, from the bottom of my heart. How in the world are we going to make spiritual progress when we watch YouTube videos with more intensity and attention and time than we read the Bible. How? And I'm not against YouTube. I'm just trying to help you right now and say, you say, I want to make spirit, I'm so insecure, I want to make spiritual progress. Well, you're giving the words of men more time and attention and authority than the words of God. No wonder we're so insecure, frustrated, anxious, afraid, and depressed. It's because we keep listening to people talk and we never ask God what he thinks. The Lord wants to help you. He wants to build you up. Why are you so sad? Why are you so discouraged all of the time? Why is it that you can never get over that bad habit? Why can you not change that thing that you want to change? You know it's killing your relationships, and you know it's struggling. You don't even like it about yourself, but you cannot change, and you try for a couple weeks, and it doesn't actually end up changing. Why? Why does that keep happening? Why am I so insecure, so afraid, so anxious, so upset, so discouraged? Why can my habits not change? What is it about my life? And there may be a ton of things going on, and I'm not dismissing any of them. But what I'm here to tell you is at the root, most likely it is because you have given people and the words of people more time, attention, and power in your life than you've given the word of God. And the symptom is that your life is falling apart. And then you get mad at God because your life is falling apart. Come on, like, listen, listen, I'm with you on this to say, I, I, I even recognize on a daily basis how much I struggle if I'm not giving God my time and attention. You're struggling because you are giving the words of men more power in your life than the word of God. You are giving, you, you're giving the words of men, whether it's on the internet, Whether it's through social media, whether you're watching YouTube, whether it's real people in your life, whether it's good people in your life, even the best people in your life cannot tell you what God wants to tell you. And every time you get upset, you call your best friend or your spouse when your go-to should be God and then everyone else. You see what I'm saying? A good spouse is a wonderful thing, but they're not God. A good friend is a wonderful thing. A church is a wonderful thing. But only the Lord Himself, through His word, can give you ultimately what you need. I want you to identify now in your life where are you giving the words of men more power than the words of God? To those of you who are younger, you are deciding now who you're going to live by. What words will you live by? You're deciding that, you know, teenagers, young adults, college students, you're deciding who am I going to believe and what words will I live by? And even if your heart is in the right place, you think your, your desire seems to be genuine. If you are spending more time on social media than in the Bible, you've already answered the question that I'm going to give the words of people more attention and authority in my life than the words of God. Let's just say it like it is. I'm not against social media. I have social media. But whose words are you going to live by? Live by. You're making a choice. To those of you who are just trying to manage your day, and you say, well, I'm too busy. You're too busy to live? The Bible says that the words of the Spirit are life. Jesus said, In my presence is fullness of joy, and at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you too busy to be happy? Listen, I'm with you. I'm saying this to all of us. I have six kids, all right? You know how hard it is to read the Bible at my house? At least without chaos, you know? I'll be like, James says, you know, bam, 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 you know? I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, you know? He hit me, you know? I was like, okay. Sure, Lord, you know, whatever. It's hard, I'm not saying it's easy, but I just wanna say it straight. You know, when you think about how valuable is your life? How important is your time? And every single one of us, because of the accessibility we have to the words of people, have become a people-centered people, just by default not because you wanted it to be that way. And I'm just here this morning for all of us. This word has smacked me real good this week. I'm here this morning for all of us to call us back into this place where we understand the power of the word of God, where we deal with it as it really is, and then we deal with the words of men as they really are. Once you to think about it this way. So imagine you want to go on a vacation whatever. You're looking up Airbnb, right? And so you're on the Airbnb app. You're scrolling through, all right? You want to try to find a cabin in the woods, all right? So it needs to have this, two rooms, hot tub, you know, all this thing. Okay, great, great, great. All right, I'm going through it. And I see the pictures, and it looks real good. looks real nice. Everything looks clean. Every, the hot tub's working online. You know, everything looks good. Yeah, okay? So I go ahead, and I trust the words of these people, and I buy it. I show up to the Airbnb. How many people has this happened to? This is not what it was said. This is not at all. This is a different house. This room doesn't even look the same. The hot tub definitely does not work. And this is all, you know, all these things. The last cabin I went to, the hot tub didn't work. And so this is all these things, all right? You say, I showed up and it wasn't what it appeared to be. If only I could see things for what they really were, I could have made a better decision and ended up in a better place. And how true of that is us. When really, like in our life, we're scrolling through the Airbnb of life and we're choosing, based off what other people have said, what's the best thing. And then we take their word for it and as all of us can testify to, it wasn't what was promised. And it didn't deliver on what was said. And the words of men and the advertisements of men and the worldviews of men and the advice of men and the suggestions of men and the principles of men all ended up leading us. To a bad place. Now, the flip side of this is instead of an Airbnb, you have a good father, loving father, who always has taken care of you and supplied everything you ever needed in life. And he comes to you and he sees you scrolling Airbnb and he says, Hey, hey, my daughter, my son, I, I have a cabin in the woods. Don't you know? You've been there. I actually just went and cleaned it last week. It looks perfect, it looks great, it looks real clean. I fixed the hot tub myself, you know, that's working real good. All the water's hot in the shower, like I actually added a deck on the outside. It's gonna be a real blessing. There's a fire pit down there. It looks great. Looks great. And I did all this when I had I had you in mind. I was fixing it up. And so why don't you stop scrolling the Airbnb? Why don't you take my word for it and go to my house? And it's gonna be good for you. Now imagine looking at the father who loves you so much, who's always been there for you, even on an earthly sense, even with his mess-ups, who's always been good to you. And you say to him, thanks for the offer. I'd rather take my chances. I'd rather take my chances with what the other people are saying about these locations. Boy, do they make it look good. This is what we are doing every day when we receive and live by the words of men over and against the words of our Father. What God offers you is a sure thing. It is a sure thing. Just like when the father comes and says, I cleaned this cabin myself. I built the deck myself. I heated the hot tub myself. It is ready for you. It is a sure thing. You can trust my word. Haven't I been faithful to you? Have I ever steered you wrong? You can trust my word. Don't look and listen to what all these other people are offering it to you. You need to see it for what it really is because I've been there and I've seen where it takes them and it's not gonna go where they think it's gonna go. And so would you listen and trust my word? And would you follow according to my word? Because I'm your father and I love you. And my word is a sure thing. But the word from men is changing and unsure. And every day, you hear me what I'm saying? Every day now you're deciding whose words am I going to live by? And that decision is going to tell you where you end up. Whoever's words you live by will be the place where you end up. And if you live by the words of men, which are frail, changing, unsure, often wrong, then you will end up in a limited, weak, unsure, and wrong place. But if you trust and live by the words of God, which are true, sure, right, eternal, good, and perfect, then you're going to end up in a place like that. And you're deciding every day, small decisions, big decisions, the way you do your schedule, whose words are you living by? And we struggle when we give the words of men more power, time, and attention in our lives than we give the words of God. And we're scrolling Airbnb looking for an option that looks good while our Father stands over our shoulder and offers us a sure thing. The world says, scroll through this and you can find sexual happiness and freedom. Be yourself, be true to yourself, explore yourself and be free and you'll enjoy that side of life. And then God whispers over your shoulder and he says, in my presence is fullness of joy, and my right hand are pleasures forevermore. And now I can take the words of the world, which might look nice on the app, but are going to lead me to destroy my life. Or I can take the words of my father, which are a sure thing. And you're doing these kinds of decision makings over and over and over again. And the world keeps putting up new houses for you to look at. And the Lord and the father comes by and says, would you listen to my words? It is a sure thing. How many of your struggles are because you're giving the words of men more power in your life than the words of God? So we have to understand what it really is. We have to see it as it really is. Because then we begin to understand how to use it, right? And so please listen to me now. The goal of understanding the Bible is so that you can begin to also understand the world, so that you can begin to peel back the layers of what people are saying. Because if I give the world so much power and the world says things like, be true to yourself, and then I believe that is gonna lead me to freedom, and I follow that path, but I end up enslaved because the words of men enslave, but the words of God set free. But I took the words of men. Instead of peeling back the surface, when the world says, be true to yourself, and you peel it back, what they're really saying is go to hell. Let's be honest. We didn't come here to play any games. That's what's being said. If you peel it back and the world says, find yourself, go be true to yourself, experience sexual freedom, and then you peel it back and it says, be a slave. We have to see it for what it really is. Come on. We have to see it for what it really is. And if you don't know the word, you can't peel back what the world is saying, and they're going to get you hook, line, and sinker. This is too important. This is way too important. You need to be able to see things as they really are. And the world's gonna spend so much time trying to make things look good and trying to convince you of something and trying to lead you into a good life. And if you don't have the discernment to see things as they really are, then you're going to take their advice and you're going to lead yourself down a path of destruction, which many of you are on. All the while, the whole time, God was there offering you a sure thing. And I just, from the bottom of my heart, don't want that for you. And I know for some of you, it's happening already. It's happening right now in your life where every day you want to, you think you want to follow Jesus, but you're giving the word, the world, the the words of men more power in your life than the words of God. And you're believing what they are saying about identity, purpose, life, happiness, freedom. And you're taking all of that advice, and the words of men look so good. Let's be united. Let's love one another. Let's believe this and that. Let's coexist. Let's do all of these things because it's so nice and it feels so good. And this is going to make for a good society. And then if you build it back, if you build it back, you'd realize that they're on a road to destruction. And they're inviting you to join them. And you just need the discernment from the Holy Spirit according to the word of God to see it as it really is. And you're deciding every day whose words will I live by. And your decision on that matter will determine the rest of your life. And I cannot reemphasize enough how important it is to see things as they really are. So he says, you received the word of God as it really is. The second thing now, so that's the first thing. We must understand it, if you're writing anything down. In terms of the word, the first thing is we must understand it. The second thing is we must accept it. Look what he says there. You received the word of God which you heard from us, and you accepted it, not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God. They already received it, so why does he say accept? Because receive is the understanding and accept is the living. They received the word. This is the word of God. The accept is to appropriate it to my life. This has gone beyond hearing. This is why he says, which is at work in you believers. So this is more than acknowledging or giving mental assent. Oh, this is the word of God, pastor. That's the word of God. Yes, I believe that, but it is to accept it into my life, to appropriate it into my life, to conform my entire life around the word of God. To accept it is to live by it. And all of us know to really listen is to live accordingly. And we haven't listened until we have lived by that truth. Let me give you an example. So I say to my kid, hey, go clean your room. And the kid comes back to me, and I later ask, well, did you listen to me? And they say, yeah, Uh, you said go clean your room. I heard you. And I said, well, did you clean your room? And then he says, well, I heard you. You said go clean your room. I was listening, Dad. I can tell you back to you what you said to me. You said go clean your room. Thanks, son, but did you clean your room? And he says, well, no. Then I say, what? Well, you never listened to me. Why? Because listening isn't hearing, listening is living. And if you can quote a scripture but don't live by it, then you don't know it. Then you never listened. To listen is to live. We have not listened to it until we have lived by it. And we are deceiving ourselves to think we can be hearers of the word and be accepted in God's sight without ever being doers of the word. To accept it is to live by it. We haven't listened until we have lived by it. To accept God's word as it really is is to allow it to work in our life as it really is. To say, your word is your word. It rules over all things. This is what it really is. And so now it comes into my life as it really is with my sin and my dysfunction and my depression and my discouragement. And it comes in and it should do work in my life. And we have not accepted God's word as it really is if we haven't allowed it to do work in our life as it really is. To accept is to allow it to do the work these things go hand in hand and we have not listened until we have lived by it and so if you can quote it to me you i hope you're better living according to it and so now i want us to understand to say okay okay, i have to listen to the word of god accept it appropriate it to my life and then look what he says which is at work in you believers so this is the product what happens when i accept the word not just mentally agree but I accept it into my life as the authority to do work in my life, which some of you need to take that step. You do not become a Christian by mentally agreeing with the facts of the gospel. You become a Christian by accepting Christ as your Savior who's Lord over all things. And I don't want you to be deceived into thinking you are something that you're not. Please see it for what it really is. To accept it is to live by it. Then he says, this work is at work in you, believers. is so encouraging, write this down, a divine word brings about a divine work if we accept the word of God then it will have the effect of God on our life, this is a guarantee that the word comes in and it's lived by, then the word is going to do the work, and you need supernatural authority, supernatural healing supernatural power, supernatural support, supernatural joy supernatural strength, supernatural purpose, you need something that only God can give, then you gotta go to God to get it If you accept the word of God, it will have an effect in your life. That is a guarantee. And so if there's no effect, then it was never accepted. It says you accepted it and it was at work in you. A divine word brings about a divine work. Listen, if you want the power of God in your life, then you have to have the word of God in your life. You cannot cut the line and just say, well, that's too much. I have to get up too early, or I don't like reading. All those things you say, well, that requires work. You have to read, you have to think, you have to study, you have to pray. That takes time, effort, and attention. And I want the power of God to transform my family, to transform my habits, to transform my life. But I want to cut the line. And there's no power of God in your life if there's no word of God in your life. Come on. And then you say, I wish God would change this. And I'd say, he will if you would listen to him. Listen, I just believe this in my heart because I experienced it myself that so many of our problems in life are simply because we are giving the words of men more power than the word of God. We're just neglecting him. We're neglecting what he has said. We're neglecting the supernatural strength he wants to give us. We're just leaving it there. And then we're shaken and afraid and depressed and insecure. And then we come in and we ask for help from somebody. And all the while, the whole time, the Lord was there as our father saying, my word is a sure thing. And you're struggling so much. And my heart really burns for you because I too I struggle so much. And I know, I know, I know, I know that so much of it certainly can be complicated and have other things. But a lot of it is because I simply am not giving God the time and the attention, and I'm not giving his words the authority in my life that they deserve to my own detriment. So if you want to just sum all that up, here's what it is. The word accepted is a life affected. The word accepted is a life affected. Listen, I Googled affect and effect. I still don't know, and so I don't know. If you're an English professor, you can tell me if I did it wrong. It said affect was a verb and effect was a noun, but if you pass tense it, does that make it something that happens? So it's like a thing instead of a verb? I have no idea. And so this is where I'm at. I took my best guess, you know, just like any language, what feels right? Okay, that's how you go. So it's pretty good to speak that way, not good to live that way. Okay, all right? So what feels right, you know? This is why it's so hard to learn another language because you have no idea how it feels right. You're like, what's the conjugation? I don't know. So anyways, that has nothing to do with this. But the word accepted is a life affected. To accept the word is to have it affect my life. And this is an absolute 100% guarantee, which is why you have to see it for what it really is. Because if you open the Bible and think ho-hum or preacher comes with the word of God, and you think, okay. If you don't accept it as from God, then it's not going to do the work of God in your life. But if you do accept it as from God, the work of God is guaranteed. The word accepted is a life affected, And this is just so important, because all day, every day, you are being assaulted with words. Worldviews, ways to think, things that will make you happy, things that are, you should be pursuing, ways to find yourself, ways to find pleasure in life, how to be successful. All day, all day, myself too, just being assaulted. And if you haven't been spending time with the Lord... You simply will not have the discernment to see things for what they really are. And that is going to, simply put it, destroy your life. Now, the good news is that even if you're in the midst of that, and you have been making some awful decisions according to what the world has said, and you can sense that here right now to say, man, I really did take the wrong route. That's what the grace of God is for so God's not up here like, raw, raw, raw. you're stupid. I told you you were stupid. You should have known you were stupid this whole time. Everybody around you is stupid. Everybody is stupid. You should listen to me. You know? That's not what he's saying. Man, just like a father who is standing there watching you choose all those wrong Airbnbs, you finally look to him and you say, okay, okay, I give up all my other options. Is yours still available? And he says, yes, my child. That's to offer on the table for some of you who have been running away from the will of God in your life. And you have been believing the words of man as to what will make you happy, what will give your life purpose, how to get respect. And instead of being down on yourself and throwing yourself in a pit of despair, the gospel comes in, which is a sure thing. And it says, God demonstrated our love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So would you receive the gospel this morning? Jesus lived a perfect life, one that you could never live. He died on the cross for your sins, so you don't have to pay for them yourself. He rose from the dead on the third day, and if you believe in him this morning, you will have eternal life. Now, as we close this out, the second part of here is very important for you to consider because the first few verses are about this, about receiving the word of God as it is. The last section really is about Suffering. And so we need to put these two things together. And so here's what I want you to understand. To accept the word from God is also to accept suffering from men. To accept the word from God, to see it for what it really is, is also to accept suffering from men. Now, this was so important and so expected and so crucial that Paul's version of Christianity 101 was primarily a theology of suffering. He's there three weeks. Look what he says. We kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. He was only there three weeks. What's the gospel, Paul? Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. If you believe in him, we'll be saved. What's next? Get ready to suffer. That's not our Christianity 101. It should be. Just because it's not as intense in terms of your life, physical life being threatened, like many of our brothers and sisters across the world and most of Christians for all of time, we live in a very unique season. Just because you don't feel it in that way, we feel it in so many other ways. And then we're so surprised when following Jesus brings trouble. And what I want to do is encourage you this morning to not be surprised by this. Look what he says about them. He says in verse 15, Paul, he says, they displease God. And they oppose all of mankind. So if you accept God, you accept suffering into your life. Now, to oppose the gospel, look at this, is to oppose all of mankind. So now here's where it is. Okay. What is it really? What is the world really saying? When people are fighting against the Bible, what are they really doing? When people dismiss the gospel, what are they really after? Listen to this. To oppose the gospel and the Bible is to oppose all people. To hate the gospel is to hate all people. If you peel back the layers of what it really is, what's really happening, to oppose the gospel and to oppose the Bible isn't to love and be kind to and understand All people, it's to despise them and to oppose them. You have to see this because all day you're being told, Well, if you believe this and live this way, you're being kind to one another. And if we just learn to do this and accept each other as we really are, we're gonna show love, we're gonna build unity, we're gonna be for each other. If we simply agree to these certain things, the world wants us to agree to. And the Bible the whole time says, Hold up, hold up, hold up, peel back the layer. Because if you oppose the Bible, you're opposing people. You're opposing the good of people. You understand that? So as you stand up for the Bible, you are not counter to people. You are loving them. And if you oppose the gospel, then you are hating your friends and hating your neighbors. That is when you peel back the layer. To oppose the Bible and to oppose the gospel is to be against people, not for them. But to love the Bible and to love the gospel is to love people. But if you don't peel back the layers, you're gonna see the opposite because the world wants to tell you to believe what you believe must make you hate all these people and you don't want their best interests. How could you ever tell someone they can't be their true authentic self? And then you come back and you say, okay, well now you're opposing this person's well-being and good by, by uh, demonstrating the words of men are the most powerful in their life. If you disregard the gospel, you're disregarding the good of all people. Look what it says. It says in verse verse 16, By hindering us so that they may be, what's that word? Read it. Saved. Saved. The goal of the gospel is to save people. The goal of the Bible is to save. Why do we have a Bible? So that you can be saved. Why does God say live this way and not that way? So that you don't kill yourself, so you don't harm yourself, so that you're doing the right thing, so that you can be free in the Lord. Why is the Bible telling you to live a certain way? So that you be happy and full of purpose and endure suffering even when it's hard. Why? Why is the gospel coming into your life? To save you. But here's what we do. I want you to believe in the gospel so you can vote how I want you to vote. I want you to come to this church so you can do things the way we like to do them. I want you to follow Christianity so you can be this kind of person and live the way that I want you to live. And we've muddied it all up, and that's why people get offended. But then you say, I want you to believe the gospel so you can be saved. I don't care how you vote. Get saved you know what I'm saying? I want you to believe in the gospel so you can be saved. I want you to know the way of God so you don't destroy your life. I want you to find perfect peace in the path of the Lord that leads you to pleasure in his presence forevermore. The goal of the gospel and the goal of the Bible and the goal of every time God says, don't live this way, don't do that, is so you can be saved. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to share it with anybody, and you're going to be beat down as soon as someone says, well, you're opposing me, and you're against me because you believe this or that. There's something for you to write down. I don't know if you can tell but I believe this with all my heart and you really you really really come on you really need to understand this because the world is trying to deceive you the preaching of the gospel is to love all of mankind but the prevention of the gospel is to hate all of mankind to be opposed to the gospel is to be opposed to the greatest good of humanity you're an anti-human If you don't love the gospel, you don't want people to succeed and do well. To oppose the word of God is to oppose all of mankind. You need to write this down, get this text in your life, because every day you're going to be told, you oppose me, and your beliefs oppose me, and the thing you believe can't possibly be true, and all of these things, you are against culture, you are against what we think, you are against love, you are against unity, you are against peace. And you need to be firm in understanding who God is and what God has said. Otherwise, you'll be caught up with them, and you'll be going on the same way that they go, which is on the path of destruction, because you never saw things for what they really were. And this is happening every day, every day. And so many people I know, and even people I talk to, are being misled because they simply don't see things for what they really are which takes the work of the Holy Spirit. None of you in the room should be proud that you do see things for what they really are because that's God's grace in your life. You didn't earn that. You're not smarter than anyone else. I mean, you might technically be, but not in that sense. You didn't deserve it more than anyone else. You should be on your knees thanking God that he has revealed to you things as they really are. What a blessing. And this should be the news you share with everyone Finally, he says here, I sent Timothy, verse 3, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Look at this. So that no one may be moved by these afflictions. I mean, what? Okay, listen. Their friends and family members are getting dragged to jail and murdered. And he says to them, I sent Timothy so that you would be unmoved by these things. This is a totally different kind of stability. It's a stability rooted in the faith. Look what he says. I wanted to establish you and exhort you in your faith. My goal for many of you who know Jesus, all of you who know Jesus, is that you would be unmoved in light of your personal afflictions. That you would be unmoved in light of the suffering that has come your way. That you would be unmoved in light of what people have said and thought about you. That you would be unmoved And the way to do this is to be exhorted in the faith. Look at this. A word accepted, the word accepted is a life affected, but the word exhorted is a faith established. And so not only ought you to accept the word of God as it really is, but you ought to encourage each other, exhort one another with the word of God as it really is. Listen to me. The nicest, most helpful, kindest, loving thing you could ever do for any human being in the entire world is to exhort them in the word of God. That is the nicest thing you could ever do for anyone in the whole world is to exhort them in the word of God. A word exhorted is a faith established so you may be strong and rooted in who God's word is. So not only are you accepting the word in your life and letting it transform your life, but are you exhorting each other with the word so that you can establish one another's faith? Listen, if the world's obviously going to keep teaching things, which it always has for all of time, against what God has said, and it goes on so, 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 we really need each other. Do you realize this? If you're actually going to, like, go to battle and share the gospel and love the Bible, there's not very many people like that. And so if we're going to do this, we got to do it together. I need to be exhorted in the faith. You need to be exhorted in the faith. You need a lighthouse to function as a Christian. You need brothers and sisters who love Jesus. You need church. You need these things so that you can actually do what God has called you to do. Because if you do go out into the world, you're going to get smacked with all these different things. You need one another. The nicest thing, the best thing you could ever do is exhort one another with the word of God. Establish one another in the faith. Lastly, I want you to see this. Look at this. There's so much here. I should... Verse, preach one, preach one verse at a time. We'd be done sooner. So, verse 3 says, You yourselves know that we are destined for this. Ooh. You know, I love that word because Christians love to talk about your destiny. Fulfill your destiny. Find your destiny. The Lord has a great destiny. And usually that just means blessings upon blessings and material prosperity and health and wealth. And Paul speaking the words of God, and says, you are destined to suffer. What's your destiny as a Christian? Well, certainly, heaven will be wonderful. It is helpful out the prosperity in heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's be perfect. That, that is your destiny. But don't get it twisted right now. As you follow Jesus in the flesh on the earth, there will be many blessings, and God loves you very much. And he loves for you to eat, you know, good hamburgers and have a nice life when you can. These are fine. God's not anti your happiness in that way. But, okay, I don't I don't want to overdo it. But 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 but. Christianity 101 says that you are destined primarily to suffer. And if you're not expecting that, you're just going to be knocked over when it comes. And if you believe the words of men that God has destined you to prosper in every sense possible on this earth, then you're really going to be shook up when you don't. Paul's goal isn't here to give you goosies or make you feel good. It's to root you so you're unmovable. You know what? My goal every week isn't to give you goosies and make you feel good and like my preaching. It's to root you so you're immovable. Christianity 101 says you were destined to suffer. But look at this. This is my favorite part, all right? I've said five times the sermon's ending. I mean it this time. I mean it this time. I'm sorry I lied. Okay, Though we are destined for the wrath of men. Look at this. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, 3 says we are destined for the wrath of men. But if you've read to the end, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says that we are not destined for the wrath of God. Look at this. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know what trade you've made, Christian? Take all the hits you want because you are destined for the wrath of God. But when the time comes, you are not you're destined for the wrath of man, sorry, but when the time comes, you are not destined for the wrath of God. You have made a trade. And all these people can smack you, hit you, talk junk about you, but when you stand before the Lord, you'll be redeemed and you'll be saved and you'll be safe and secure forevermore. So you have trouble now, but you have triumph to come, and that gives you the strength and the energy and the motivation you need on a daily basis to follow God in the midst of a world that's completely opposed to Him. You can endure the wrath of men now, because you will not have to endure the wrath of God later. And what a trade you have made. Oh, what a trade you have made. Tell yourself, lift your heart this morning, believer, that you have made an excellent trade, that though you may suffer for 80 years, you will be happy for a billion and forevermore. Though you suffer the wrath of men, though you suffer the pain of your body, though you suffer slander, though you suffer betrayal, though you suffer your whole life falling apart, though you suffer an attack, and this and that, though you suffer loss and death, you will not suffer the wrath of God. And for all eternity, you will be happy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We pray, we pray. Now, God, that you would give us your perspective. Oh, Lord, would we receive your word today as it really is, the word of God? Would you make us a church, Lord, that accepts your word as it really is, the word of God? I just pray for freedom in this place this morning, Lord, for those that are trapped by the words of men. To those watching online, maybe, whose lives have been destroyed by the words of men. To those struggling with insecurity and anxiety and fear and depression and discouragement. Oh Lord, would we hear the words of God today. <laughs> Make us a people who live by your words, O oh Lord, we pray. Would you mark this moment and do something supernatural? We will follow you, Lord. And we will listen to what you say. And we commit to being a people who love the word of God. Help us to see things as they really are. So we can live as we really should. in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.